Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. It's the good stuff. Yeah. The Laugh Podcast. I'm a host, the L Train. Over there is Mr. Two Frames Bull. How are you today, sir? Doing well. We are doing a laugh classic, a classics, a classics, three classics today. The our, Mad Max trilogy. Hmm? Our first trilogy together. Is it? I don't think we've talked about any other trilogies. No? Okay. Oh, made you a little verklempt, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you got a little emotional about it. Getting choked up over here. I saw Mad Max live and in person. When I was a, a wee lad in the 1980s. Okay. Yeah, I was probably uh, 13 or something when it, when the first Mad Max came out. Uh, 79. Yeah. I was 12. And then I know for a fact I went and saw uh, Thunderdome at the theater. This was a big deal for us because we didn't know that there was going to be a, a, a triplical, a triquel after Road Warrior. And then... The Road Warriors were my favorite uh, wrestling tag team. Ooh. Hey, I get the first wrestling reference. Nice. <laughs> Animal and Hawk, man. They were awesome. They were some kind of awesome. Yeah, and they blatantly rip off uh, this movie, or this trilogy. Oh, I mean, yeah. But, hey, it worked. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, tell us a little bit about your experience with Mad Max. Probably my best viewing of Mad Max when I was a teenager. I remember flipping through the channels on cable and coming up on the Road Warrior. At the end, the last chase sequence. Mad Max 2. And I watched it, yeah, for a good 15 minutes before I realized I was watching on the Telemundo network and it was dubbed in Spanish. Oh, okay. Because there is so little dialogue yeah. at times in this film. I think, uh, isn't it true that in one of those pictures, he uh, Mel Gibson only has like 15 lines of dialogue? Yeah. Um, I know in Mad Max that for the American release that they had to redub it in English or, you know, out, not Australian, but in American English, it changed around some of the, some of the words. Yeah. They had to get rid of some of the slang. So, uh, Mad Max is a modern anti-hero, maybe hero, anti-hero. He's very, he's avenging angel. He fits these sort of avenging angel archetype. Yeah, I think we need to talk a lot about his character because it is interesting, the arc he has over the course of these three movies. Yeah, this is a very scattered mythology surrounding <laughs> old Mad Max there. Uh, it's set in Australia in the dystopian future, but it's not really clear what the year is. It's just some random year in the future. Now, just as a side note, what year do you think Running Man? You know that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, Running Man? Yes. You know what year that's set in? Uh, 1997? No, I mean, <laughs> you, completely, you completely destroyed my point. <laughs> no, like, it's set in like 2017. Oh, okay. It came out in the 80s, I thought. Yeah. I, I thought it wasn't that far into the future. No, they usually go at least 20 years into the future. Well, like Terminator 2 was set in like, 97, 98. Or that, that was well, yeah, when Judgment the... Day was supposed to occur. Oh, okay, yeah. All right, so I've completely blown apart any sort of interesting point I was trying to make. Except Mad Max is just sort of set into the future somewhere. 
And uh, we're in a fuel shortage crisis, and society has begun to break down. I guess there are some small villages that are somewhat peaceful, but then there's these roaming, marauding motorcycle gangs that, I guess, rape and burn and pillage and... Yeah, just do whatever they want. There's The police force is very small. And ridiculous. The what do they call the uh the main force patrol? Yeah. Yeah. And uh it's sort of I mean, beyond farcical. Like there's one scene in early on in Mad Max where the I think the mayor comes to visit and he's wearing a Richard Nixon mask or something. It's, oh, it's bizarre. Well, I mean, this is early Australian cinema. It was made by George Miller. He was the director. This was the first movie he ever made. He he was a physician before this. Apparently, he financed this movie by going around and working as an ER doctor. He was a traveling ER doctor. Huh. And that's where he got his inspiration for this film, because he would see so many car accidents. Oh, ER doctor for hire. Yeah. Huh. That's weird. You can just wander around from ER to ER. That's how he made his, he made enough money to be able to film this. handle out your services. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, some of his some of his own vehicles and edifices were in the movie that they destroyed. Uh, so I guess we'll get into that. But basically, these marauding motorcycle gangs are sort of taken over, and there's this one guy that's killed a couple of cops. I think his name is uh, is he the toe cutter? Toe cutters. Yeah, the main bad guy. No, that's, so that's not the main mad guy. The main mad, they're the first mad guy, sorry. That is the main bad guy. But the first mad guy is a guy called uh, Knight Rider. And the movie sort of opens with him speeding away from after after having killed uh, an MFP rookie officer. He's attempting to outrun these other MFP uh, <laughs> officers until he encounters Mad Max. And then Mad Max like has a chicken match with him and Knight Rider veers off and has a breakdown. Yeah, we have this great setup of Mad Max and then he kind of leaves the picture for the next hour. <laughs> yeah. And he kind of like stumbles in when they mention this car because they don't want to get rid of Mad Max. He's the best. He's not, is he even Mad Max then? He's just Max. Yeah. He, he He's had, not mad yet. Not yet. And he no. becomes mad later. Uh, I guess the main character is this guy then that follows the we see the story arc of this guy goose i'm wondering if that goose guy is um is the reference to goose in top gun (laughs) because it is sort of a bromance yeah in real life i think um these guys were buddies mel gibson and and the actor that played him jim goose reigns because from what i understand gibson didn't even he didn't plan on being in any movie. He just went to the audition with him, with this uh, the guy, Steve Bisley, who winds up playing Goose. And he reads, and apparently he'd been in a fight the night before. They liked his look. Yeah. He looked r- rough and tumble. I think he said he looked like a swollen pumpkin. Yeah. A swollen purple pumpkin. And uh, I guess they arrest... So Toe Cutter is the, is the leader of the gang. And they arrest one of the gang members, Johnny Boy Boyle. But something happens with that Boy Boyle guy. He gets off on a technicality. Just because that's how things work in the future. Yeah. 
and now. And then I think Max is going to leave because he's got a girl. Is it his girlfriend or his wife? Is that clear? It's his wife. He's is that married. clear, though? Yeah. All right. And he also has a kid, too, right? Yeah. What's the kid's name? Sprog. Sprog. Yeah. I didn't write that down. Yeah, names are hilarious, man, in this movie. Oh, and the whole trilogy. Do you think it's a reference to uh, Inferno and the, the demons in the... I, I don't give Miller that much credit. Crazy red and curly, curly beard and... Could be. I don't. I don't think so. Demon tail. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like these movies were thrown together haphazardly. You think? Like this one, uh, the first Mad Max movie feels like three separate films. Right. Probably two separate movies and then a fifteen-minute coda. Yeah. Because <laughs> the most of the action happens in the last fifteen minutes of the movie. Most of the main action. I mean, the first ten minutes and then the last fifteen minutes. Um. What do you think of, like, of the three, where do you put it? Uh, Mad Max. The second best. This is firmly in the middle. So you like this better than uh, Thunderdome, Thunderdome. I think, is the worst. Thunderdome is odd, and, you know, we'll talk about that and what was going on. But, no, this one, this is interesting. It's weird. Mad Max, while he is the main character, he's in very little of this film. He doesn't talk a whole lot. He doesn't become mad. His uh, wife and child aren't killed until the very end. Right. And then he gets his revenge very quickly. <laughs> and then the movie's over. And you're like, huh. And then that's when he becomes mad. Yeah. And like at the very end there, he's like, you're mad. You're mad. Going it's back like, yeah, and rewatching mad. this film, I forgot how much filler stuff there was at the beginning of this film. How much time we spend with the gang and see how evil they are. Uh-huh. We do spend, you know, quite a while. They they roll into that like Wild West looking town. Mm-hmm. It's like a throwback to the Wild One. Yeah, I don't know if all of these are references, allusions, or happenstance, or just they had extra film to roll. I think. It, well, I know they worked on limited budget, and there was a local motorcycle club that yeah, you know was right. willing to be in the film. So it's all right. We got these guys. Let's film stuff with them. Yeah, let's film them being menacing motorcycle effect. Yeah, yeah, crazy Australian motorcycle guys. Um, at the end of the movie, oh, we should probably mention right at the outset, which we haven't really done yet, but this is going to be spoilerific because there's really no way to talk about these three movies without without spoiler. Yeah, yeah. And then the second, uh, the the second movie, the Road Warrior. Apparently, that has the one of the top ten all time. Uh, ending surprise endings I saw it in a couple of different lists online about surprise endings and like unexpected turns or ironic events or something so and we're gonna we're gonna blow that out of the water so if you haven't seen these movies you should probably go watch them and just uh, you know if you're interested and and then listen to the show or just listen to the show because we're gonna tell you the whole stories I think yeah um at the end of Mad Max, his wife, they're, they're, they've, he's left the force, right? Mm-hmm. And he's hanging out, and uh, they go to, I guess, his wife's friend's or grandmother or something has, May, I don't know. She leaves to go get some ice cream, and she encounters Toe Cutter and, you know, the other people, right? Yeah. 
isn't that is that just random? Yeah, it's just this random chance. That just they... <laughs> in the middle of the outback, just somewhere they just randomly run into this woman. And they feel that they have to sort of molest her because that's what you do when you're a motorcycle gang. You just run around and molesting people because she kicks the guy in the nuts. Right. They have to get revenge, murder her, murder her child. By the way, Max and and this woman are the two worst parents in the history of movies. No, it's perfectly safe to leave your baby outside in Australia where every animal is poisonous and will kill you. Right. Isn't this the dingo baby? (laughs) Yeah, I I think, like, uh, out of the ten most poisonous snakes in the world, nine of them are in Australia. (laughs) Right. And they have the highest amount of, um, they have, like, 27% 27% of all shark-related deaths since 1580. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's absolutely bonkers, but... Yeah. In the world. So, uh, I guess when, you, when you're trying to run away from people that are in cars, you're trying to escape them anyway, you shouldn't run down the middle of the road. <laughs> That's another hint that this movie teaches us. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're scared and you're being chased by people in cars, but maybe, you know, run off of the road. Don't run straight down the down the line like you're trying to or walk a tightrope on the line. I'm also, though, impressed that they went to run over her in motorcycles. Those aren't easy to drive. Yeah. And then, like, if you're going to hit someone, that's a big old meat bag. They are a motorcycle that, gang, though. But that's going to, like, I would think you'd crash your bike. They, uh, I think she gets burned up. Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't die immediately. Sprague dies instantly. Yeah, that was sad. Yeah, poor Sprague, poor little guy. It's the worst parents in the world, man. They just leave him on a. I think he's like he changes the oil in the car, and they just like put the kid in the, and not even in in the house. They just leave him on a blanket outside. Well, at least they put the blanket down. That will protect you against <laughs> the poisonous right. snakes. Don't get off this blanket. And then she leaves and goes to the beach, which apparently is about, I don't know, a good 500 yards away from the house. Well, and the geography is weird. It's lush meadows. There's this little forest. You go down a hill. The rest of the movie, everything's been flat. Right. Almost desert-like. I think if you look behind the house, there's water there. Mm -hmm. She doesn't go to that beach. (laughs) She goes over the hill and through the woods, past... The, the motorcycle gang just happened to be on the beach or whatever. And then uh, and this is where he encounters her. And yeah, bad, bad things happen. Bad things. Now Max, after his wife dies in Sprague, what does he do? He's got to he, get his revenge. Yeah, he kills him. Yeah, but how does he kill the last guy? Well, he doesn't kill him. Right. He gives the guy a chance to saw off his leg. <laughs> Right. To save himself what before the car blows up. What would you do with that chance? I, I I'd probably try and cut through the chain. And but the thing I've always found hilarious is Max gets the timing so wrong. Like the guy should have a couple minutes. Instead, he's got about ten seconds. It says uh, it would take about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He does tell me. He, he says you have ten minutes. You can saw through this. Uh, the hand the handcuffs you have about ten minutes. Or you can saw through your leg. That'll take about five minutes. Yeah, I feel I could get through my leg in more than five. If if a if I'm attached to a burning car, I could get through my leg in a lot faster time than 
yeah, but then the car blows up 10 yeah. seconds later yeah. as he's walking away. I'm like, hmm. Do you think he did that on purpose? I, I don't know. And, and that's where I think the character of Mad Max is interesting. We know he wants revenge. We don't blame him for wanting revenge. But the way he goes about it, it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Not me so much. Because uh, these are pretty bad. This is a bad motorcycle game. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with little... him. But it, it's a revenge tale in the first movie. The second movie, he becomes this reluctant hero who has some bad luck at the end of the second film. And we'll spoil that in a second. Hmm. And then the third film, he's like the child savior. <laughs> he's almost a Christ-like figure. He's the champion of all the weak. That's what I mean. It's a return. It's a, it's a complete departure from the first two movies. But there's some revenge stuff in the second movie, too. And then they insert a dog. Yeah, dogs don't have a good run. Oh, this. man, dogs never have a good time. That's why I, I think I might even watch that movie, White God. <laughs> even though it's about a dog apocalypse. I might, I might just watch it to see what happens. Just to see the dogs win in the end. It'll be like dogs playing poker. <laughs> No, I'll be hanging out. But anyway, so Mad Max 2. Well, is there anything more you want to say about Mad Max? No, just I think this character arc is weird. But this happens with a lot of 80s action stars. You know, look at the Terminator and how much Arnold Schwarzenegger's role switched. He starts off as the bad guy. He becomes the protagonist. And then he's almost a character himself one, in the third film. From one movie to the next. Yeah. Yeah, but this happens within the movie. He's playing the same robot. Yeah, but he's, he has, I mean, that at least, they explain that. Here things happen just randomly without real thought. And, like, apparently Mad Max is the best, or Max Rotankowski is the greatest uh, car guy, police he, guy. In he, a car. He's the best at chasing down people who are trying to speed away on a straight road. Right. It doesn't seem like it's that hard to drive on a straight road. So he wants to get out, but why? They don't really explain why he wanted to get out early. And then he, 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 they convince him to stay by giving him like building this car, this supercharger car, like supercharged up V8. And, uh, it's supposed to like make him all excited. And then they, they don't show him in that car until the last, you know, 15 minutes of the movie. The car just completely has nothing to do with anything. Oh, yeah. Well, even the second film, his car, he doesn't get to use it very much. And then in the third film... doesn't even have a car. It's camels. (laughs) (laughs) But in the... All right, so... And, and, I mean, that's the other funny thing. He's driving this car. He drives it incredibly quick. Any of these chases are done super quick. But there's limited gasoline. You're just eating up your gasoline. (laughs) They're tearing through the gas. I mean, in the second film, the chase at the end, there's, what, 20 car vehicle things chasing after the tanker? (laughs) And they're all doing, like, 60, 70 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. So even if they catch this tanker, they've probably used all the gasoline that's in it. But by the the time, yeah, they refill their vehicles and all the gas they've burned. Not only that, aren't they, like, driving all around the sand dunes, like, as they're they're besieging this little village? Of, mm-hmm. It's actually an oil refinery, and they're just, I think part of the weaponry is the oil also. They're, like, they have these giant flamethrowers at this village. Because there are no more bullets. Right. Instead, there's just a whole bunch of uh, oil that's in short supply. Some people have some arrows. It's like, oh, crud, I'm down to my last three arrows. Society has broken down so far that we can't make more arrows. 
I like the razor blade boomerang though. That's a pretty cool weapon. Oh, that the little yeah child warrior, the feral kid. Yeah, <laughs> played by Emil Minty. He does a cool backflip. Yeah, he's a pretty good. He's like sneaking into little holes and stuff. And that whole that whole element in the eighties of like the homoeroticism of that relationship that had to be scandalous. Because the eighties was not a good time for for uh, gay rights. So then, what's the subtext of the bad guy trying to catch his boomerang and getting all of his fingers cut off? And then they like fall on the ground and they're clearly <laughs> they to collect them yeah. back. <laughs> and everyone's laughing. I'm like, That's just such an odd little scene. The finger cutting off scene happened a lot in the eighties, man. That was a big deal in the eighties. Uh, it happens in the Escape from Alcatraz. This movie. Every other movie had a bunch so, of, I feel so like had, there's not a whole lot of finger chopping off uh, moves anymore. There was one special effects guy who worked on all these films, and they were like, all right, what can you do? Yeah. I do fingers getting chopped off really good. <laughs> we don't have that scene in our movie, but we'll write one. <laughs> we can do that. How do will that the scene? fingers come off this time? Let's use a boomerang that has chopped. knives. <laughs> yeah. Then they, he sinks that boomerang into the kid's head, right? Or no, into the... Uh, I don't know. Again, the names are so messed up. I know that the leader of the gang is the humongous. <laughs> you gotta love that. You put put an article in front of a uh, an adjective, and there's your nickname. What would you be? The the apoplectic. <laughs> so I would be the curmudgeonly. That's what they would call me. The curmudgeonly. The curmudgeonly, not the curmudgeon. Anyway, the disillusioned, I guess. <laughs> Um, so Mad Max 2 begins with him driving his car, driving great his car chase around. Se- sequence. He's got a cute little dog, an Australian Shepherd cattle. And again, you know, he's sponging up the last little bits of gasoline. Gasoline is so precious. Right. But there seems to be some just randomly in this, uh, in, in the, uh, in, in the, the world. Four wheeler. No, they find a tanker in the mm-hmm. middle of somewhere and. There just happened to be some. He's able to refuel. It seems like he drives all day long. So you'd think you'd run out of gasoline pretty much by the end of the day. No. I mean, if you drive your car That's for 10 hours does. when you go on a trip, you have to refill it, what, twice? <laughs> yeah. I had to stop to pee a lot, too. Yeah. But, you know, he drives all day. He he's... never runs out of gas. There's another guy in the movie. Bruce Spence plays the, the Giro captain. <laughs> How, the auto Giro? Mm-hmm. How come, what, you know what, so this came out in the 80s. The promise of the Auto Giro was one that was was never, they, they never uh, paid due on that. Because I thought by now we'd all be flying around. Well, there was the guy who just landed at the White House a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he did it to prove some point about taxes or something. Yeah, and he had a little States gyrocopter. Rights. It wasn't the White House. Yeah, it was on the front line I don't of think the White it was House. the White House. I think it was the Capitol. I think that he had told the cops or the Secret Service that he was going to do it in advance, too, and that saved him from getting in a lot of trouble. But he said he didn't even, I think he said he didn't even try to do the White House. Wait, if you tell them what you're going to do, I'm mm-hmm. going to break the law. Oh, okay. Well, then it's all right. <laughs> no, I don't think it was the White House. I, I'm almost positive. I, I heard him on an interview, and his, his <laughs> I can't remember what his cause is, but it's something like the, the right to, I, I don't know, have limited taxation from like I don't know yeah no it, it is very bizarre yeah 
so, but yeah, I would have thought that we would have had our own personal auto gyros by now. But yeah, so much for that. Uh, so he, this guy, Bruce Spence, mm-hmm. or the gyro captain, what is he? He captures him or he captures Max or there's something that goes on between them and he winds up and Max gets at the auto refiner or whatever this fuel refinery is that's being besieged by these these motorbikes. But it's also now they have cars. Yeah. So it's a hybrid. It's a motorcycle car gang. Yeah, someone has like a Volkswagen van. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to try and survive the apocalypse, you need Volkswagen. Not a whole lot of good gas mileage with that either. No, I, again, that's that just it bothers me. <laughs> that's what bothers you about this. I mean, I, I love it. I love how goofy it is, but um, I also love happens? that the films look very hot. You know, they look like or they're filmed in this desert-like <laughs> atmosphere, but apparently it was like the coldest winter on record in Australia. And it was always raining on them. And these guys are in, you know, G-string leather thongs. (laughs) Just freezing cold. That's the Wes. Or the Wheeze or whatever his name is. It looks like it should be so hot. And everyone should be sweating. But they were freezing to death. He's running around in assless chaps through the whole movie in a big bright orange mohawk. (laughs) Uh, But... If it is winter, or you know, that explains a lot because, you know, if you're going to be in like the desert and you're a cop, your uniform probably shouldn't be leather. I'm just saying, in the future, I'm not sure why they would go with leather. Why not shorts? Give them, you know, denim shorts, maybe. Even that denim, even denim's kind of. You want something that can breathe, and then if you're just wearing that same leather day in day out, Whew. Oh. if it gets wet with sweat, that thick leather. And then they throw random shoulder um, pads, like from the '80s. Like I think I s- used some of the shoulder pads when I played football in high school. The Rydell they had the same shape and form. It, uh, it, so. It's ridiculous. Now, then they called this movie the Road Warrior when they marketed it in America. They because they figured none of people had seen the first Mad Max movie. Makes sense. So you know they just tried to play up the crazy action. Well, that and they also. Um, I mean, you had the, the wrestling band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> band? Uh, no, maybe maybe they came afterwards. I don't know. Who were the guys? Animal and Hawk. Yeah. What are they called? Tag Team. Yeah. Yeah. No, they came afterwards. The Road Warriors later known as the Legion of Doom. I don't think you really, if you wanted to capitalize on the popularity of a wrestler, you probably wouldn't have chosen the Road Warriors. Wrestling has this weird thing. That's one of the biggest gimmicks stolen from a movie. Probably the next biggest one is the wrestler Sting, who dressed up like Brandon Lee from The Crow. Oh, is that his deal? Yeah. I thought he was like playing on Sting from uh, The Police. No, no. He, he, he used Don't to wear like bright so face paint and brightly uh. colored outfits, and then he went goth, oh. and that got over. Oh, all right. So, so he would have fit right in with the humongous... And the wheeze, right? And uh, Mad Max too. So the idea is somehow they're going to try to escape this their oil refinery city or little mm-hmm. town or whatever. 
And uh, Max has a plan. What's that plan? To drive the 18-wheeler or the tanker full of gasoline. First, he's got to go get it. Yeah, he's got, he, he has to steal it. The bad guys have this for some reason. I thought he had to go. I thought it was in the middle of the desert. And he just had to go. Oh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I'm he getting this confused with the third film where he has to break in and steal yeah. vehicles. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, he's got to bring it back. And it's a suicide mission. But they say, yeah, we'll, we'll give you all the gasoline you can carry. And you can leave in your car, which, of course, he crashes. <laughs> Immediately. And then they kill his dog, man. <sighs> wow. But, I mean, it, it's amazing that there are all these plot developments with Max. And like you said, he only has 15 lines of dialogue. One, he repeats twice. I came only for the gasoline. <laughs> 16 lines. But he develops this relationship with the feral kid. And the feral kid is this little guy running around. Got this weird haircut and the boomerang with the razor blades and stuff. And uh, it's actually his fault that they're that the Wheeze is so upset because he killed his boyfriend. And uh, I guess he leaves with Max mm-hmm. after they get the 18-wheeler back. So he, it's just him and the kid. Is he stowaway yeah, or something? Yeah, he hides on the thing. And then... and then the other people... So he goes in one direction with uh, the gasoline. He says he's going to put the gasoline in the back of the truck. And he's going to go off in one direction. And then the caravan of people that are left in the village go off in a different direction why wouldn't you split them up you know the gang this is only a whole i mean you don't need the whole gang to go after the gas why not go after the caravan too i don't understand the the thought process there no i i agree and then it's then they also blow up the oil refinery (laughs) well they don't want the bad guys to have any gas where if you just left them the refinery here we're leaving here's the stuff you have as much gas as you need now. Right. No, they have to say, screw you guys. <laughs> okay. We're out. So, uh... And then we ha- we go through the whole chase. There's a huge crash at the end, and the big reveal is what? Well, I also... But I also think that... Before right, we get to that, right. the Wheeze and Humongous and Mad Max, they all have one crash, and both of them get wiped out at the same time. So there's two like main adversaries, and they both get wiped out at the same time. Well, somehow Humongous has raced super far ahead, yeah. turns around, and decides to go on it's a kamikaze. Callback. callback to the chicken earlier. There's a head-on collision, right? Is he trying to play chicken? I mean, to <laughs> me, it's like all of a sudden he's just decided to become suicidal. He loses. <laughs> Whatever it is. Once the, the Wes and Humongous get destroyed, Max loses control of the tanker. It rolls off the road. And then you kind of see Max walk away with a feral kid. And uh, the tanker's tipped over, and it's leaking out all of its contents. Turns out to be sand, <laughs> not oil like they thought. So there's this big, like, ironic reversal. When did they fill the tanker with sand? I don't know, the other night. <laughs> and how did Max not notice? He was tired. He was tired from running around in the desert, man. Well, I'll just trust you guys to fill this thing up with uh, gasoline. And then you, then it goes back to the caravan, and you see they've got all of the oil in in these drums. Like, where did all the people fit? And it's plus, it's got a stink, man. Oh I, yeah. I put the gas tank. I did mow the yard the other day. I put the gas tank in the trunk of my car on Friday. You know, just to go up to the Seven Eleven. I turn around and come back. It still stinks <laughs> in my car today. Oh, oh the the kids' papers were all stinky of gas. Yeah. 
But it's even just the amount of gasoline isn't that much. In a month, they'll be out. Isn't that what makes them mad? I think the the smell of the gas. Uh, And another thing, you find out that the the feral kid Mm -hmm. is actually the narrator. Yeah. Yeah, he's the voice. And he's reminiscing about the legend of the road warrior. Which the mythical Max. They still tell. So he achieves this apotheosis and he becomes this sort of godlike figure. I'm not, I do really like the movie. I think it's got some of the best action scenes from anything in the 80s, but. Woo! <laughs> it's pretty the, hard. The story, man. you're just like, wow, you guys slapped this sucker together. And yet, it's tighter, a lot tighter than either of the other two films. Oh, the third one is a train wreck. Why does this movie go get 98% or 99% rating on, on Rotten Tomatoes? Because of the chases. The it chases delivers, are really good. It delivers what it purports to do, but you could almost say any movie does that. Mm. Okay. I haven't seen it yet. Avengers Age of Ultron is a superhero movie with superheroes doing superhero stuff. Yeah. It's colorful. It's action-filled, and it's funny. Right? Yeah. Regardless if you like the, pl- the plot line or not, does it deliver as a superhero movie? Yeah. You would say yes. Yeah. Okay. Same thing with Max. Mad Max and... But this is also crazy Aussies driving around. <laughs> I don't think that makes any difference. People like to be able to say, yeah, I, I like a foreign film. Road Warrior. In terms of production values and quality, <laughs> foreign film. I, I'm I'm just supposing here. I would say Avengers is probably a, at a lot higher level <laughs> than Road Warrior, and I just don't really get it why one gets, you know, why you how you could say don't go see this movie. If it if and you know you're not comparing it to The Godfather, you're not comparing it to, uh, you know, the earrings of Madame D. But there is some aspect to this film. It just it works, and no one's been able to copy the formula. I don't know. Waterworld. Oh, jeez, no. <laughs> it is a copy. It's a direct ripoff. Yeah, but it, it doesn't work as well. I don't know. I mean, the first 20 minutes of Waterworld are pretty good, but then it just it goes off There's the some good stuff in Waterworld. I don't, but, Mad Max 4. But doing chase sequences, it, most movies just do a poor job of it. And that's why I want my students to go watch the new Mad Max film, because they think Fast and Furious does car chases well. Does it not? I mean, I think I've heard other people say it does. I, I don't the, know. The I don't physics are so bad. Well, and they're going to avoid some of the physics, I mean, some of the issues with that without by doing all this in practical effects. Yeah. So this movie is going to be really, you know, people really driving cars. At the end of the sixth movie, they're chasing after a plane going down a runway, and they're doing like 80 miles an hour. Oh, yeah, we've talked about You've talked yeah. about this before. Yeah, and it lasts for 15 minutes. It's the longest <laughs> runway in the world. Right, it would be, uh, what, 15 miles? Oh, yeah. I did the math in my head. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm close, though. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Yeah. 20 is close to 15, sure. Mad Max 3, Beyond Thunderdome. Woo. Uh, this was uh, 1985, so this came four years after the last film. This is only, and this is the only movie in the series to be rated PG-13 which is almost never a good sign when you go from R-rated movies down to PG-13. See yeah, Terminator but... Salvation, for example. Okay. 
but they didn't have PG-13 in, in 1980. Or 79. Do you think these other two films would have been rated PG-13? I don't. I think they would have recut them if they'd had that option. Maybe. No, I think R played better, Beth, than you could have the R-rated action movie. All right. Well, then maybe I'm completely wrong about Um, my idea that I saw these in the theater. Because I probably didn't if they were rated R. Because my first R-rated movie was, uh, was not Mad Max. And if I was only 12 and 15. You, you've said what your first R-rated movie was you've seen in theaters. Uh, yeah, it was uh, um, where he does the play, Bill Murray and... Uh... No, actually, Blue Thunder. Oh, yeah, no. Oh, wait. Oh, now I have to look. Wow, my superpower is so strong. I know your movie history better than you do. No, uh, Stripes. I thought Stripes was. All right, well, then you've lied but to I us might... on a previous podcast. It's possible. But it's part of the lost laughs, so. Maybe, I know Stripes is the, all right, I know I saw Blue Thunder with my dad, and I saw Stripes alone, so maybe Stripes was the first RE movie I went to without parental permission. All right, Dave. support. I don't know, I'll have to look them up. Now then, uh, Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome is also interesting because George Miller kind of lost interest in this project because his buddy... Uh, Byron Kennedy was killed in a helicopter accident. Maybe it was a gyrocopter accident. Maybe it should have been. And he left a lot of the filming up to another guy, to this guy, George Ogilviva. He only, uh, Miller only did the chase sequences. So this movie's really disjointed. All right. And apparently Miller also, before he decided to do this Mad Max movie, he wanted to do Lord of the Flies. So there's... A lot of those elements in there. Yeah. So they had the production design in place for The Lord of the Flies. And that's that whole thing at the end. Yeah, we've cast all these kids. We got a, we've already paid them a salary. Let's and they also probably had sets and stuff, maybe. I don't know. It, I don't know. It's a very mixed up movie. It, what happens is, Mad Max, this is actually four years after Road Warrior, but it's set 15 years after Road Warrior. Like, the the setting, like, why, why tack on the extra 11 years there? Oh, and Mel Gibson has horrible gray hair. <laughs> He's got, like, a skunk hair. He's like the Cruella de Vil of, of superhero avenging angel kind of thing. And by at this point, he's, he's in a camel-drawn wagon. And he gets attacked by Bruce Spence in a, in a, in a, like a auto gyro or whatever, but it's not the same. It's the same actor doing ostensibly the same role, but it's not the same character <laughs> as in Road Warrior. It just it's just some other dude that like I guess this is evil twin or whatever, or like his secondary twin. <sighs> and so... they've like mashed together the the feral kid role with the autopilot or the gyro pilot guy. So, and then they're attacking Max and they bring him back to Barter Town. Which is uh, ruled over by Tina Turner. Auntie Entity. <laughs> now, then, it, you do need to watch this film just for the way they built the sets. There, this yeah, is some pretty cool uh, design. This is part of that time period in the 80s where they just went over the top with the art direction, you know, movies like Willow or Time Bandits. There's this weird aesthetic. And then uh, they always have some role that needlessly has a midget playing it. <laughs> okay. Master Blaster. 
who who's got his enforcer who turns out to Blaster. be to be what an idiot disabled or disabled whatever. is that supposed to be the same guy from the first mad max movie the humongous guy or the toe cutter no no no, no. It, um when they go to the farm there's oh, the older right. this giant randomly... son who's also disabled he's a good guy though He's a, well, but he only shows up in the middle of like the chase scene. We never find out what happened. There's no backstory with that character at all. He's <laughs> just, just randomly like walking yeah. around. D- don't let him scare you, miss. That's right. He's fine. He's fine. Don't let that guy scare you, that giant crazy guy. And then the third film, they're like, yeah, let's have the evil guy be uh, mentally challenged. <laughs> Blaster. So we'll feel sorry for him. Is, is Blaster evil or is he just like big and aggressive? He does whatever the midget tells him to do. <laughs> Master. And master. then it turns out that the midget is his father? No, I don't. I thought, uh, I don't, I thought he I says he was them. my son because they, they kill him. Yeah, they kill they the kill blaster. Him, yeah. For an enforcer, he goes down pretty easy. Master or the blaster? Blaster. Well, he has the, he's he's deaf and he has that, uh, Mad, or Max is able to figure out a way to, to defeat him with his uh, high-pitched whistle that nobody <laughs> else can hear. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he hits his, that his whistle. dog whistle. He hits that dog whistle and it and it drives uh poor poor blaster crazy. <laughs> and he's able to take advantage of him. Oh, the did. Thunderdome is a pretty good idea though. The, the Thunderdome Two Men Enter, One Man Leave. Oh, it's, it's great. It's a trope now for any Twitter view that we have. <laughs> the better part though is Tina Turner takes a zip line down to it from her <laughs> yeah. penthouse. Yeah, she's awesome. And it's not a normal zip line. It's a throne that she gets to sit on as this thing slowly comes down. Oh, my God. It, it's just Dude, so over the top. Tina Turner qualified as sexy and hot in the 80s. Oh, yeah. She's, that was, no, she's like, she's the equivalent of, of Beyonce now. Or, uh, like, I guess you go from T- Tina Turner to Beyonce. That's the direct handoff. And that, like, Madonna in the 80s is now, what, Katy Perry? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, I love I it. There's... And then, oh, oh, what's the scene? There's a scene where Master is being dropped into a bunch of pits. Right. And when that's... I was doing research for this film, I go to IMDb, and this is the best bit of trivia ever. Uh, all of the pits in the film foreshadow George Miller's involvement with Babe, 1995, and directing its sequel 10 years later. <sighs> yeah, that's really some insightful. That's some insightful <laughs> trivia. Uh, I read that I did a double take and it was late at night because I wanted to call you and go right is this a joke (laughs) does someone actually think this is true Uh, that's hilarious (laughs) well the idea is that all of the of barter town where anti-entity is in charge is run by the methane produced by these pigs underground (laughs) and uh, I think there's like a character named pig killer (laughs) or something who who Killed a pig, which is like the worst thing that you could do in Barter Town, to feed his his family, and then he's the one that winds up helping Max when Max goes. He goes to the land of of lost children, the Tomorrow Mars or whatever, and they say, "Well, we're gonna go to Barter Town." They get captured. Oh my god! There's like a scene where the kid falls into the sand pit. Well, and then there's yeah, he's got to save him. And now we don't want to do a chase with cars anymore. We've done that. We're, that's not what we're twice. known for. We've done that twice. Yeah, that's not what Mad Max is known for. So let's get on a train. <laughs> Where the train is going. 
Who knows? Who cares? I would argue that the that the the train escape or the train is the worst vehicle to try to escape someone on. <laughs> I mean, if it, almost anything else is going to give you a little bit more range. A unicycle is a better a tool for escape <laughs> than it, the train. It gets cartoony. Uh, you think? Like a guy's trying to hold on to the two uh, cars, keep them together after the <laughs> yeah. pin has been pulled. <laughs> it's a train truck. It just feels weird. Yeah, the whole thing is just so messed up. The uh, the the earrings, mm-hmm. Tina Turner, they were actually slinkies. <laughs> they were real slinkies. They just put them on her. I mean, this is the problem with the movie. Like, it's like you took everything that was interesting about the first two movies, and you know how in like the Hangover, the Hangover Two is exactly the same movie as the Hangover. This movie is like the antithesis of that. It's everything that was good about the last two movies we've taken out, and we're just gonna put in like weird random stuff. Yeah. Oh, oh, we can't do Pig cars. Farmers. We gotta do something better than cars. Trains. <laughs> we can't have gas. Mm. We have to use methane. Pig, pig, pig gas. No, no gyros. We now we have the plane that looks like it. It has no chance of being able to fly. Right. It is so short and stubby, <laughs> and somehow they pack in like what two dozen children. Yeah. It's, instead of a supercharged car, they're gonna have uh, a pack of camels. Oh, <laughs> instead of a bunch of white skinhead sadomasochistic revenge seekers with mohawks, you got a midget and a. Diversity or director of diversity studies <laughs> as your as your main villains. In the villain at the end lets Max go yeah, after no. trying to kill him for the whole movie. They're a pair. Yeah, and then the the airplane pilot who's not the the guy from the middle movie. Don't be confused even though it's the same actor playing the exact same role, but a different character. He flies the children to the coast. Where they discovered the decimated ruins of this of Sydney, and that's where they live. And now the the years have established a small society, and they and nightly they tell the story of Mad Max. He's achieved godlike status again. So not only do they talk about him in the Feral Kids village, they're also talking about him over here. And everyone always leaves him behind. Hey, Max, thanks for risking your life. Later, dude. Have fun in that hot leather. We'll tell your story. Yeah. It'll be okay. <sighs> well, and, and with the new movie coming out, since it's supposedly set between the first and second one. The Intercool. Max is going to have to get screwed over in this. Yeah, somehow he's going to wind up just... I, I'm, I'm hoping he gets screwed over hard. It's not like he makes the heroic sacrifice and knows what he's doing and... Well, I'm hoping he meets the dog. Tells the others to go on without... Yeah, uh, yeah. that's how you went to end. Oh, yeah. He meets the dog, and the dog rescues him. He rescues the dog or whatever, and it's a happy ending. And finally, for once, the dog doesn't die. <laughs> this is why... Uh, th- part of the reason why I liked Waterworld, though. A lot of the stuff I thought was good in Mad Max was in Waterworld. <laughs> when I go back and think about it. One was water. <laughs> the kid... Uh-huh. Did you know that the kid that was in Waterworld was she grows up to be uh she's she's in she's dead in Napoleon Dynamite. Really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that until I look I I, just, I looked up the actress and I was like, "Holy, I wonder what else she's ever been in." Yeah, w- Waterworld. Watch the first 20 minutes then turn it off. No, there's other good stuff in it. There's stuff with uh 
um, the character played by Dennis Hopper. Oh, he's, he's so over. He's the top. over the top. He's like he's in a different movie. There's a rescue using a bungee cord. That's a good scene. That they haven't measured out. They have no idea how long the cord is or how high up they are. That's a good scene. And it's exactly the right length. Exactly. It's it's not. That's no worse than anything that happens in the Mad Max movies. You you got the director of diversity studies in the liberal arts college is sliding down on a zip line to Thunderdome. <laughs> in this scene, you got the Mariner jumping into the water, you know, in a bungee cord. I like it. In, there's another scene where the girl is like giving him a hard time and he just like throws her in the water, <laughs> just tosses her overboard in the ocean. Oh, it's so <sighs> and it's got Gina Triplehorn in it. Uh huh. She, and she's, she's a looker. Yeah, no, I liked her in Basic Instinct. She was great in this. Uh, she was great in Waterworld. There was no uh, attractive female character in any of the uh, Beyond Thunderdome, or even, unless you count Anti-Entity. Yeah. <laughs> but just the name is sort of a turn-off. Now, the, in Mad Max, they went out to the desert to film, so that way they had desert 360 degrees all around them. In Waterworld, they were right off the coast, so they always had to keep facing out to the sea. To yeah. make it seem like they were in the middle of nowhere. Well, and then they also wound up on land at the end. Yeah. And so that just kind of ruins all. I mean, if you're on water, if you're in Water World, you might as well just stay in Water World. You know why? Why wind up on land? That's, That's supposed to be your happy ending. And the, and the other thing is that they 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 capture <laughs> they capture the little girl, and they're gonna they're gonna she has a map to wherever land is on tattooed her back, on her tattooed back. on her back. They're gonna flay that map off of her. That's what. That's the whole idea. That they're gonna kill this girl. Why? What's the point? Just keep her alive. You got the map. What do you? You need to roll it up and put it in your pocket. It's so. Yeah, yeah the ending is ridiculous. Maybe we'll and it's more than just twenty minutes. I mean, if you could make a supercut of it at forty minutes, forty-five minutes long, it'd be a. It would be a much better movie. But it's just it's just as much going for it as any other Mad Max. I'll take movies. a Mad Max movie. Over right. uh, Waterworld any day. All right. We don't have time for the tagline game, do we? Yeah, we can try. All right. So that's our Mad Max Classics, uh, uh whatever, review yeah. of the trilogy. And now it's game time. And Yeah, now it's game time. So we're going to see if you can choose the movie. I'm going to give you the tagline. You tell me if it's Mad Max. And we're just going to say Mad Max is Mad Max 1. The Road Warrior. Mad Max 2, Thunderdome, mm-hmm. Fury Road, Mad Max 4, Waterworld, or something that I made up. All right. All right. So I guess I got to get a pen here so I can keep track. All right. So here's the first one. <laughs> and you tell me if this is what. All right. Two men enter, one man leaves. Thunderdome? Yep. You got that one right. Way to go, Mr. Two Frames. You're one for one right now. The last law in a world gone out of control. Uh, Mad Max? Yeah, you got that one. All right. The last hope on Earth doesn't live on Earth. <laughs> Waterworld? No, I made that one up. You made that one yeah. up? Okay, okay. Yeah, that good, one good, good. <laughs> The last hope. <sighs> the future belongs to the mad. Road Warrior? No, you got that one wrong. That's Fury Road. Okay, okay. All right, so there's, you know, there's multiple taglines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
One man, one plan, one car, too far. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Road Warrior. No, I made that one up. You did? Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> well done. Well played. All right. In the city, or wait, in the future, cities will become deserts, roads will become battlefields, and the hope of mankind will appear as a stranger. I'm going to say Road War. Yeah, you got that one right. Ooh, finally. <laughs> All right. I, this, is, this is it. You're, you're three and three and three. Oh, this is, this will be the determining factor. All right. So it's one of these, one of these movies or I made it up. Madness is a state of mind. Uh, Fury Road. No, I made that one up. <sighs> Boom. Oh, you made up a lot. Yeah, well, I had yeah, a lot yeah, of time well on my hands. <laughs> All right. So there's the tagline game. Well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a good show, man. I like it. I, I like Mad Max. I mean, making fun of these movies, yeah, yeah, but they are good. Yep. They are worth watching. I agree. Uh, it's worth watching Fury Road, too, so that's going to be our next show, right? Yeah, we'll Fury have that Road. episode next week, uh, awesome. last 46. Oh, wow. We're getting close to 50. Yeah, we might have to think of something special to do for 50. Oh, our 50th show of the year, man. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in the immortal words of uh, Deacon from Waterworld, Dennis Hopper, don't just stand there, kill something. <laughs> For Mr. Truth, <laughs> Mr. Two Frames over there, I'm the L Train, Pox at Bonham, everybody. There be dragons. <laughs>